Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hello, everyone. This is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ podcast. I'm joined here today with Frank Gao. And in this episode, we're actually going to be talking about a couple matches that we actually recently shot ourselves. Uh, it's going to be three man, three gun and the Maryland State USPSA championship. So Frank, he's going to start the questioning off uh, asking me about three man, three gun and how things went there. Um, so Frank, it's all yours. All right, Matt. So tell us about the format of three-man three-gun and how are those stages different from a normal three-gun match? All right. So three-man three-gun, it's you got three teammates and you're shooting three guns, just like the name implies. Um, You could be asked to shoot any one of the guns. You can be shooting either all three guns on the stage two guns on the stage or just one gun on the stage. Typically they'll do an all rifle stage um, or an all shotgun stage or an all pistol stage. Um, And the way they kind of have it set up is it's a standard deliver. There's really no moving and shooting. So it's a really good entry level fun match to get into Uh, when it comes to a major, it's a great match to kind of hang out with buddies and they're, you know, the squads, you know, our squads have 12 teams, so 36 people per squad. So reset is really fast, um, but it is nothing but a speed match. Um, it's in a tag format. So you, once you're done shooting, you tag your buddy in and he starts shooting his array of targets. And then the next once that person's done, they, they tag the next person. It can be in a relay format. Um, where one person shoots one gun. Once they're done with that, they run over to the next person, tag that person. They're it. They're engaging their targets. And then that person runs to the last person. And then that person engages the last array of targets or everybody can be shooting all at once. So uh, you get a lot of different flavors, uh, no natural terrain, just base style. Furthest you're shooting out to is about, 200 yards with rifle and you know each person has a different type of implement that they're shooting off one can be off a vtac barrier the one could be off of like a corrugated tube um and then the next one could be off of a wall just a regular wall so it gives you a bunch of different options last year you know the the long range rifle you know everybody was inside a canoe so communication was big movement was minimal because once you started moving your buddy to your left was throwing shots and it was a tag style match uh so yeah that that's kind of the basic format if you will of three man three gun you're giving me flashbacks to um marine corps championships 2021 so the pistol team match involved four of us standing online and just shooting a crap ton of steel, uh, some Texas stars, some polite racks, 
and then the rifle team match um it was a mixture of like close-up hosing but also some further shots like prs style shots so um having since the marine corps shooting team has participated in three man three gun previously would you say that the the design of those stages influenced that particular championships in any way absolutely um Sam Lorino, like for the 2021 uh, championship, Sam Lorino is kind of the brainchild behind a lot of the stage plans. Um, ha, you know, that's who Captain Scott and I kind of put into that uh, position. Uh, so a lot of that was his brainchild in, in terms of designing the stages. So uh, I can tell you right now, Sam, like when it came to three-man, three-gun, like Sam, he, he was a three-gunner from the beginning, but then he transitioned to USPSA. But Sam will tell you right now, his most favorite match to go shoot is three-man, three-gun. And that's where a lot of the concepts for the team match uh, came from. Nice. And, yeah, I really enjoyed that format. It was a lot of fun. Uh, where where did three-man, three-gun take place? And tell, tell us a little bit about that range. So it's up in Topton, Pennsylvania. Um, so from Quantico, you're looking at about a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive. Uh, for me, it was probably about a five-hour drive just because of D.C. traffic. Uh, I got a late start. Um, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, I want to say um, the closest, you know, mid-sized town is probably about 20 to 30 minutes away. So it's, it's a rural area, um, but it's a good club. I can tell you right now, like whenever you pull in and park and everything, um, you have to walk uphill. So carts are a must. Uh, you're going to want to bring a cart. Um, or, you know, what some people do is they'll have like a golf cart or they'll have uh, like a, a four wheeler and, and they transport all their stuff on there. It's a it's a fairly small range, but, you know, people are going to use what they got to use to get from bay to bay. And you have an assortment of all different ages shooting that match. Um, it's just a really good place. There's a fire department that's right there. Um, yeah. Uh, I would say the bays itself, you know, you have a you have some really long, uh, narrow bays. You have some long mid-sized bays. And then you have some really wide, uh, short bays. So um, you're going to have... At the match, like with the way some of the bays are set up, you're going to have some 50 to 60 yard pistol shots. Um, they're not tiny 12 inch rounds. That would just be stupid. Um, you're going to have like a 24 inch plate that out, out to 50 yards. And like I said, it's a speed match. There's lots of steel. Uh, it's all about getting your hits and it's all about just building that confidence and kind of seeing how fast you can push yourself. Um yeah, there's typically, yeah, and then there's that one 200-yard bay. Uh, I will say about this match is penalties hurt. Um, you know, we talk about penalties, USPSA. Hey, a mic hurts, uh, an FTN hurts here. If you get a failure to neutralize, that, that and that's a failure to neutralize for those that don't really know what the penalties are is it's having one round on paper if it and if it's not in the a zone it's not neutralized here um it's a 10 second penalty if you miss the target completely you're looking at a 20 second penalty so um you can go as fast as you can but you need to make sure you you click whenever uh 
whenever you you go that fast. Um, you know, make up shots. Like if you call your shots and you you call to Mike, go ahead and take that extra take that extra half a second to second to make up the shot. But yeah, um, all the bays are kind of next to each other, so you're not really traveling too far. So it's it which kind of you know one thing I really love about this match is you know you'll you know 36 people in in one squad so you know when you have so many squads that are on this range and all the bays are kind of next to each other one really cool aspect is and you know I was doing it I would go to the next bay real quick just to see who was over on the that other squad and I would just go talk to people you know uh see how they're doing catch up you know kind of reconnect um and it's just one of those other aspects of the match if you're not ROing it just gives you an opportunity to go see uh, people and see how they're doing. Nice. Um, you talk a little bit about your teammates. Um, who did you team up with? How did you all come together as a team? And how did you all prepare together for this event? All right. So this year uh, was different than the previous two years. Previous two years, uh, I competed with the Marine Corps shooting team. Um, and this year, unfortunately, the team had other commitments to where we were not able to make it up to the match. You know, we would have loved to have defended our title because the team, one of the teams we sent up last year, they uh, they won in TAC Ops. And, you know, things happen. Commitments uh, are important, you know, so we couldn't send anybody uh, this year. Next year, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to see the team back up at that match and it's going to be a good time. Um, but for this year... Uh, it was Bob Miner and Bob and I, we competed at the tactical games uh, team event last year. Um, Bob's the marketing director for FN America. So for all those Instagram posts you see and everything that you see on their website, you can put in any kind of commercials or media like Bob's the guy behind a lot of that stuff. Um, he's been doing this a while. Uh, he's been shooting three gun for a while. Um, he's a Minnesota boy. So, uh, you know, he's, he, he's pretty well versed in the three gun world. And then we had Jeff Birch on the team. Jeff, he hasn't, uh, he's, he, he's, he's, he's a longtime competitor, but he's also been one of those guys who kind of stepped away from the sport for a while. Um, you know, he comes from the area whenever FNH three gun championship was around. And the last year they held that was 2016. Um, so, uh, you know, he came with California caddies and we haven't been using California caddies since probably about 2016. Uh, so, but you know, both of them are very good shooters. Uh, Bob is a solid shotgun shooter and, uh, Jeff is a very solid rifle shooter. Um, as far as how the team came together, Honestly, like Bob gave me a call one evening. I was over at a friend's house. He was like, hey, dude, I'm looking for a third teammate for this match. Um, and uh, do you know anybody who, who could join? Like at the time, I wasn't really planning on shooting any matches. But then I was like, hey, let me give you let, let me hit you back up in a sec. Called my wife. I was like, hey, just wanted to ask, are you OK? I just got a phone call asking to be part of a team for three man, three gun. Uh, and my wife's like, yeah, why would I have a problem? I was like, I just wanted to make sure you didn't already have plans for that weekend. Uh, 
I was like, and she was like, nope, go ahead. I was like, cool. Called Bob back. I was like, hey, search is over. I'm going to join the team. He was like, fuck yeah. Uh, so it, it was a good time. Um, I did not get to practice with them um, because I had already had plans the weekend that they were going to be training together. So a lot of my training was kind of just on my own. I was doing a lot of dry fire stuff. Um, I, you know, making sure my zero was good, uh, you know, practicing out to 600 yards, even though I knew we were only going to be shooting out to 200 yards, just to kind of give me that extra warm and fuzzy that, Hey, I still got this, Um, you know, practicing pistol, uh, that mat- that weekend that they got together, I was out shooting the Duskin match. So it kind of gave me that warm and fuzzy that I could still run a gun and move and do everything I needed to. Uh, they kind of focused a lot more on shotgun pistol and uh, getting that good rifle zero. Um, so they spent more of their time training together, um, you know, one or two weekends. But uh, they also focused a lot on the uh, focus a lot on the dry fire side of the house too. Um, so that that's essentially kind of how we uh, prepared. And how'd you guys do overall out of how many teams? Um, so we came out of 27 teams. We were eighth place in TAC ops. So honestly, to me, that's, that's a win top third. Um, and, you know, for a bunch of guys that have never shot together, who kind of just, put together a scratch team and went out there and did it. I was, uh, I was pretty happy. Uh, some of the other teams that were out there, uh, they had guys from IWI and Trigicon, you know, uh, uh, I'll say, you know, congratulations to George Dorbert, Andy Snyder and Rick Fox for taking first in uh, attack ops. And then you had guys from Trigicon there too. And, you know, it's always good seeing uh, Chip Montgomery, Darren Crookshank, great people, just awesome competitors. You know, they're 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 Michigan boys. So it was uh, it was cool catching up, seeing them. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the Border Patrol team had had a group out there as well. You know, so it's good to see other agencies coming out and, and shooting multi gun. Yeah, it sounds like there was pretty good representation across the board. Um, George was on an earlier episode, wasn't he? You interviewed him yep. a few episodes ago. So Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, I love seeing George. I, I didn't get to see him out this time. I know his team had to, they shot with the ROs. He was, he had other commitments. Actually, he, he shot uh, that match on Friday. He had commitments uh, with IWI to shoot a gas gun match. And he took uh, first at that gas gun match. So that was, Pretty cool to see him. Yeah, quite a victorious weekend he had, sounds like. Um, so you already mentioned a little bit, Bob's shotgun guy, uh, you're pretty strong in pistol, but did, did you all game plan around particular team members' strengths and how did that work out? Uh, so I mentioned Bob's a shotgun guy. Uh, one thing I'll say is guys up in Minnesota, they're not that great with pistol and they'll self-admit that. Uh you know, so Bob, Bob's from up in Minnesota, you know, not known for their pistol shooting. So, you know, anytime there was a stage that required uh, shotgun shooting, um, Bob was the guy. Um, Jeff, you know, uh, he's a solid rifle shooter. Um, one thing I didn't mention about uh, Jeff is he works for FN as one of their sales managers in the eastern region. I think uh, West Virginia area like that whole region so uh 
you know, he's a solid rifle shooter. And then me, I spend most of my time as, as well as like the rest of the Marine Corps shooting team on the action shooting team. Like we pride ourselves on pistol shooting. So, um, that's my strong suit. I find myself most confident with uh, pistol and rifle. So, you know, that that's, uh, that's kind of how we broke it down. All three of us are really strong rifle shooters. Um, it's just like, that's kind of how we broke it down on uh, game planning whenever it came to certain stages, because some of these stages, they'll require like one of the bays, like it was, pretty much all the same exact array of targets but there were some tricky shots uh like they'll have shotgun targets further back so that's where you want to put your guy shooting shotgun um one of the other stages like i i I was or the same stage um on the right hand side of the bay it was uh rifle in the back which the rifle was kind of burner um, shotgun c- close to you, real burner stuff. So I just threw a diffuser choke in and just went to town with that. And then it had up to 30 yard pistol shots on a six inch round. So like that for the pistol, those were the toughest shots on that stage. So I oriented myself over on that side. It's like, Hey, I'll take this. And, you know, we finished, on that stage alone, I want to say it was probably like a sixth place finish or so. Like we, we went through pretty quick. Um, and when I say uh, like we're all strong rifle shooters, there was a stage where, you know, you did, they had three pistol gongs on the left, three pistol gongs on the right. And the pistol shooting was in a tag format. So um, Bob started. Jeff was in the middle. I was in the right. And once we got through the pistol shooting, everybody got down at the same time. And there were 36 pieces of steel um, 100 yards away. And they were all knockover steel. And we cleared that stage in 54 seconds, I want to say. And we finished that stage second place in TAC Ops. Like, we just burned through it real quick. Um, So... That's kind of like whenever it comes to that match, you got a game plan um, with what you are most confident with. Um, everybody needs to be kind of good all around, but the confidence has got to be there with at least one weapon. Uh, that way you can take it away. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And when you're confident with the weapon system, it just – not only are you shooting fast, you're shooting more aggressively. Uh, you're able to call your shots. Um, like for me, when in, the few times I've shot the gun, ever since I swapped to USPSA, uh, I'm the same way. I relish a chance to get to my pistol because I know I can make up some time on mm-hmm. other shooters. Whereas I think a decent amount of three gunners do uh, struggle a little bit. Pistol is the hardest to shoot, um, surely. So with this being a team-oriented event, was verbal communication during any of the stages important? So not so much. Like where you get your verbal communication was whenever you would game plan stuff. Like you, before you start the stage, you have to sit there and you got to come up with the plan. Um, In the actual stage, if you come up with a good game plan before the stage actually begins, you can just read the environment and see what's going on. So 
your your communication is going to be visual. It's what you see on the ground, which what I like about that, it, it, it kind of is what an attack and, you know, whether in training or in combat looks like you don't if you have a good plan and you, you know, and you have clear tasking, you're going to be able to read everything that's in front of you and continue hitting the objective. Um, so based off of what you could see on the ground, it's going to tell the next person when to go. If it's a tag style thing, you know, Hey, run over there, hit him and then shoot. Um, and you know, a lot of the way it's set up is like my last stage of the day. It's like, I knew somebody was going to become tagging me. You know, it didn't say pistol starting on table, you know, for whenever the person came over and tagged me. So all I did is I had the pistol already aimed at the target. So as soon as he tagged me, I could already just pull the trigger. And there's like a split second between him tagging me and me hitting that first target. So a lot of it is uh, just getting through it and coming up with the plan beforehand. And it's like delineating, hey, um, you know, I'm going to take the right hand side. You're going to take the left hand side. A guy's going to be in the middle and we're going to start outward. The guy in the middle can start on the inside and the guys on the outside, they'll work their way inward. That way, if anybody's struggling, you know, they'll meet in the middle and then just continue uh, helping uh, finish the stage. Yeah. So you guys basically had to come up with a communal stage plan mm -hmm. uh, and then everyone had to know the plan going just in case anything uh, went slightly off course. So you guys could self-correct. Um, a lot of this is kind of reminding me, um, you know, back tactical games, uh, team event, the way that Jared and I would prepare before each battle. Um, could you compare and contrast this particular event with that tactical games team event? So the biggest things is um, like at tactical games, just like a three man, three gun, it's having a solid foundation and a solid plan before you started the stage. Um, if you don't have that already decided and you get up there and start shooting, you're already going to be at a loss. So um, at three man, three gun, there's a lot more verbal communication because like there's that first stage that we shot at, uh, at tactical games um, where you had to get all the bags over the bar, you know, so many times. And then one person is holding the the what what was that bar the farmer uh carry bar yeah um yes you had to be holding farmers carries and your teammate could only shoot while you're holding them yep and so you had to communicate with him whenever you're going to put it down because every shot that he took while it was down was a penalty so there was a lot more verbal communication there than here where it's like hey anything goes just go as fast as you can watch what the next person is doing. So as soon as like he's done, you can move. Um, so here, everything's visual there. It's what am I capable of doing? And if I need help, I need to be able to call upon you and rely upon you to help me out. Yeah, makes sense. Um, appreciate you talking about the match, but anything else you want to comment on, uh, the scheduling, the stage design, the way it was administrated, the way the match staff communicated with everybody. All right. So one thing I love about this match is Dean's been running this for, I don't know how many years, like since I got into three gun, I know this match has been going on and I got into three gun back in 2014. 
Um, so Dean has like the schedule to where it's, it just runs like clockwork. You know, he has staff that's been doing this for years um, and every single one of them is good people. Um, they know what's going on. They shoot the match the day before and work out all the kinks. Uh, another thing I love about it, it's a major match. that's in a one day format. Uh, I don't know if I would want to try and shoot it in a two day format. It's just a lot of time just being outside. Um, and it's one of those matches that you can just, it, you're shooting six stages and it, you're, you're getting done in one day. So, you know, it allows you to get up there on a Friday and get home by Saturday. Um, and they're really fast and they're really intense. Uh, you know, um, at the beginning of the match, Dean, uh, he'll get out there and he'll talk for about 20 minutes. Thank the sponsors. You get to see what sponsors are out there. They had a bunch of charities. Dean or Dean donated uh, $2,000 towards a, a, a veterans charity on the spot. Um, you know, so it's just a place where there's just really good people um, that really care about the sport and care about each other um you know instead of everybody checking in at a very specific place uh before you get there you know they do the meeting then you go to your stages and that's where you sign your waivers and um and anything else you get your tickets and all that um the prize table is a random draw um you know in some of those random draw prize uh bags uh, you know, there's money in them, you know, I think in our bag, there was 120 bucks plus, plus a bunch of Lucas oil cleaning products. There was a bunch of, uh, you know, parts kits. There were guns, Mo uh, Mossberg jam pros were there. Um, IWI put guns on the prize table. So, uh, it overall, it's just, it's one of those perfect situations where you can just get in at a major and then come right back home and you still have a weekend left. Yeah. And as much as I enjoy shooting, um, I do like my matches to be efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to get in there and get out and I'm not a huge fan of being there longer than I really need to. Um, it's really respectful of competitors time and their energy um, and ultimately leads to a better match. But um, yeah, thanks for talking about the match. Um, very interesting format. Sounds like you had a lot of fun and that's um, come this time next year. It's definitely interested in possibly putting together a team of my own and trying it. Absolutely. Let me know. Uh, I mean, Loreno and I talked about putting together a team, you know, I know Scott Rader, he was talking about wanting to come out. I know Chris Scott is talking about coming out. So we got, there's a group of guys, I mean, active duty and not active that we could easily draw a very, a couple very competitive teams just to go up there. Yeah. Um, I might, I might just call on my CZ boys, uh, <laughs> Sam and Josh, uh, oh. and Josh Cardenas. So the three of us might, yeah, I'm going to talk to them about that. I think that's yeah, you better teach them how to quad load. I mean, shit, you need to learn how to quad load again yourself. I, I never knew how to, how to quad load in the first place. Um, Cardenas did a summer augment with uh, the three, three gun guns. Team. Was, me and uh, me and Sam were definitely going to need that. Which you want to know what's funny about that? So, uh, 
Cardenas started out on the three-gun team as a summer shooter, and John Glomba started out on the USPSA side. And then whenever they came uh, as permanent personnel, they kind of flip-flop. One went USPSA, the other one went went three-gun. When I ran into uh, Cardenas um, after Mick McEast of 2021, he was he mostly shot at Flatwoods, but he mostly traveled to CGGR for three-gun. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he knew at that point he was going to go to the pistol team. So that's when him, Nelson, and I just started traveling a lot for USPSA matches. Um, but, yeah, those are both talented shooters. They would have flourished in any environment that you put them in, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the way I look at it is everybody, every single person on that team, um, it doesn't matter what gun you put in their hand, what discipline that you put them in they are going to flourish in any one of those sports because they have that mindset. You know, you take Cardenas from three gun over to USPSA. Well, now you put him in a discipline where all he has to do is focus on one gun and he's going to do good. You give him back all three guns. He's going to come up with a training plan for himself. like, how can I manage all three of these guns and maintain a high level of proficiency in all three guns and he's going to do good. So I think a lot of it has less to do with what discipline and more to do with your mindset. Yeah. Mindset, work ethic, attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some very in-depth, like very, very in-depth conversations with Cardenas about like body positioning angles, like prepping, prepping movements, um, he puts a lot of thought into it and really like a lot of the guys on the team, they're perfectionists, but also um, they're obsessives too. Right. And obsessing yep. over things tends to lead to like high levels of performance. So uh, let's kind of roll into your match. You went to the Maryland state championship. And uh, I remember we were kind of talking on my way up some, and even the day before, uh, and you were like, there's going to be a lot of heavy hitters out here. So before we kind of go into those details, uh, overall, what was your thoughts and opinions of how the match was and uh, the facility itself? It was a good match. Um, The facility, my first time shooting at Thurmont. So they did a mixture of – I think they did three field courses, like longer courses. They did four medium courses and then three in like stand and deliver type of uh, type of courses. So I think it was a good mix, um, good facility. And overall, um, I thought I thought it was a really well-run match. It was my first major since getting healthy. Um, the previous major I'd shot was in Florida, Florida State. That was in January, and I was more or less limping between positions. That wasn't a strong finish, obviously, but I just wanted to get out and shoot. Um, so for this, it was a it was just to see where I'm at right now in the recovery process, but also with my shooting. Um, there were a lot of heavy hitters. JJ Rukaza showed up. Luke Cow showed up. Um, a lot of really, really great shooters showed up. And it was a very technical match. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of exacting angles to where um, you could only see a target through a small sliver presented by walls. Or 
targets were presented in such a manner that they would punish you for taking sloppy shots on the move. Um, and then there were also just swingers that were designed in such a way that would just add time to your overall stage score and also just drag down the overall hit factor. Uh, with those things in mind, made a few mis- a lot of shooters made mistakes. I was looking through the, the, the scores. I saw a lot of mics and no shoots, uh, a lot of other issues. Uh, but overall, I ended up doing okay. Um, overall, um, had some really strong stages. Had some not so great stages. We'll get into those, um, but I'm really glad I went. So, leading up to the match, what kind of preparation did you take? Um, you obviously just moved up here from North Carolina, so how did you prepare for this match? Given the how busy you've been, yeah. So I'd moved up to Virginia a week prior. But I looked at how close Thermont was and like, hey, when, how often is it that a major is going to be within an hour and a half drive of me? So I signed up for it, knowing full well that the, the shooting team was not going to be able to attend it. They had other prior commitments. So I know I'd be going solo. Uh, some of my preparations, I trained. Um, uh, I trained with the shooting team a couple of times. I just showed up at, the, at SAT and they, they brought me in on some of their, um, some of their training sessions. Um, I looked at the matchbook and I don't come up with stage plans because the visual depiction of the stage on the matchbook is going to be, it's going to look different in person. The dimensions are different. The angles are different. Some targets are going to present from different angles that you wouldn't necessarily see from that stage design um, inside the matchbook. But what I look for are odd starting positions. For example, there's one that in which um, you had to start forward of the shooting area and then you basically had to like retreat into the shooting area and then start shooting. So I practiced like drawing and then backwards movement because I didn't want to DQ or I did. I just wanted to make sure that that was a smooth and fluid motion. Um, one of the stand and deliver stages uh, involved doing freestyle on paper targets and then trans- doing a reload and transition to weak hand on three steel targets. So I practiced that particular transition a lot. Um, I actually practiced that sat. And one thing that um, uh, Cardenas showed me is that I was, I was basically prevent, presenting with my weak hand vertically in the pistol and then shifting it over to my dominant eye, right? Because I'm right eye dominant. And he was like, hey, just can't, just can't the pistol a little bit. It's not going to make that much of a difference in like, the, the the offset right you're still going to hit but that's a more natural way and also after you reload the gun it's already canted so just keep it like that fit your hand to it present and take your shots um so so those are some of the things and then uh you mentioned going up to uh three man three gun the day before that's important so i wouldn't do this necessarily for your local matches but if you're paying money to go shoot a major like you're paying over 100 bucks you're pretty seriously invested in the sport. So having just moved up here, I want to get a lay of the land. I didn't want that morning of the match where I knew I was probably going to be nervous already, um, have a lot of things going on in my head. I didn't want that to to be the first time that I saw the range. Um, And I was also able to go up there during staff day, um, scope out the facilities, um, but also – See, see what they had there, right? They have water, they have food. Like, what do I need to bring the next day? But also take a look at the stages themselves. And 
I don't necessarily lock in my stage plans, but I find the targets and I just kind of mentally rehearse like what are some of the key portions at each stage. So those are some so those are some of the things I did to prepare. Um, so talking about mental prep, uh, how was this so much different compared to previous matches? Um, you're just coming back from an injury. Um, what was going on through your head? So really, I'm, yeah, in order to answer that, I got to, got to talk about like how, how the injury has impacted my shooting. So I tore, I tore the Achilles in September and for the longest time, for about two months, I couldn't shoot any matches. I would show up and I'd, I'd help run the tablet, right? And eventually I was like, well, this sucks. I still want to shoot. And my solution was that I would basically take the entire stage on the move. It would be a very slow walk, but I, my, in my head, it was basically, I'm going to practice shooting on the move because that's the only thing I can get away with right now. And I'm not going to be competitive, but at least I'm practicing a muscle that I can then use when I get fully healthy. Um, I started doing explosive movement around the time of uh, Mick McEast and championships. And at that point I was able to like run between positions. Um, so this was like the first time that I was really able to bring it into a major match scenario. Um, test myself against a, uh, a group of people that I've never shot with uh, shot against before Primarily, I'd been shooting Sir Walter, uh, Pineland Pistol Club, Low Country, stuff that's local in the um, in North Carolina area. So, yeah, honestly, I was excited. Um, I, I think there's something to be said about being taken away from something that you care about, like having it taken away from you and then having it call, call to you again. So I let, I let myself be excited to, like, go out there and see what I was capable of. Um, prior to the match so I'll, I'll kind of go into my own experience because whenever I went out to the Duskin match a few weeks ago um, mentally like shooting part I, it was just one of those muscles I would have been able to flex and I knew I knew whenever it came to the shooting I'd be fine I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into until the day before I got to the match um, you know, staying at Chris Hutchinson's house and I saw him come home and he was just a ball of sweat and he looked exhausted. And I was like, what did, what am I getting myself into? He's like, dude, this is like an extremely physical match. And I'm like, okay, how physical are, are we talking here? He's like, well, it starts out with having to bench press 70 pound dumbbells five times and picking up kettlebells, dragging sleds, pulling sleds, um, all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, all right. So mentally, like I was having to be like, I was having to remember all the previous times telling myself, okay, this is nothing that I haven't done before. It's just been a while since I have done it. I may be injured, but this is a good test to see what I am capable of still doing. I may not be in the greatest of shape right now, but what can I safely do right now and how far can I actually push myself? And going into it with that mindset, 
of giving it a good 70, 70% effort and not re-injuring anything or not hurting myself even more mentally, that that's what carried me through some of those physical events. Yeah. Um, Competition is a great way to see where you stand. And um, especially if you're coming off injury or just some, something happening, um, it's a good confidence booster too. Yeah. That's what, that's what East was for me. Um, yeah. Cause part, part of me was still like, I don't know if I'm ready. Should I just take it easy? And it's like, no, like you've done your rehab. You've been extremely diligent about all this. You're going to have like two layers of brace around that ankle. Like just go out there and send it. Cause also Sam Nelson is not going to let you hear the end of it. <laughs> did he, or did you beat him? I, I, be, I actually ended up beating him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then he crushed me at championships. Um, so back and forth. Um, yeah, to be continued there. I think uh, we're going to be shooting together for the first time in a while, uh, Western PA this weekend. Nice. Uh, so squad selection, how, how, how did you decide to choose that? Yeah, purely based off heat, man. Like I – I was a production shooter starting off. Right. And the reason I shot production was I wanted to get good with irons. It doesn't matter how good I get with a dot. I have to go back to irons at some point. Um, it's on our service pistols. Like until we transition to red dots, I wanted to get those, those fundamentals good. And I also wanted to be, be able to reload in any position. The reason I'm shooting carry optics right now is because every conceivable competitive shooter is all in on carry optics like carry optics nationals has it's it's its own nationals usually you see the division share nationals right as you see um production and pcc they're sharing a national limited and open sharing carry optics has its own that's because there's such a such a large field in that particular division so when i looked at it i looked for carry optics shooters i don't care how i stack up against open and pcc shooters because one one's a rifle and one's like a race gun with no recoil whatsoever and also major power factor. Don't really care. Um, I do care about how I um, match up against carry optic shooters, but also I was very deliberate in choosing a squad that had some higher class folks in it. So the squad I ended up shooting in was comprised of shooters from like New York and New Jersey area, uh, team hold my beer, great people. Um, you'd like their uh, you'd like their jersey, Matt. It's a it's a it's a chimpanzee in uh, stunner shades holding a beer. Oh yeah, team H and B. Um, so great people, but there was a GM in there, um, Mike Shadilov. He was the GM. There was an M class shooter in there, bunch of A class shooters. Um, so I would do this even for your local matches. I would look because you learn a lot from shooting with higher, higher level shooters. Every single stage I shot, I was always looking over at Shadowlov's like hit, hit factor. I was looking at his plan. Um, and we even talked about it at some point, like some of the, some of the metagame behind it. Um, but you can learn a lot from those people. The alternative and I would avoid this in particular. Um, <laughs> in some of the local matches in North Carolina, there's a squad full of like B and C level shooters. Nothing wrong with being in those classifications, but those shooters are either um, they're either not as serious about it, or 
they're super old. <laughs> and either way, so if you get non-serious shooters, then guess what? They're not going to be non-serious resetters. They're going to be non-serious ROs. And nothing, I, I think it's great that people are still shooting this in their old age. But man, some of those like, we'll just call them senior squads, after midday hits, they they stop resetting. Like they just they just move super slow. And that that's something else that you're gonna have to factor into your mental game. So my my rec the my my um my reasoning for choosing my squad besides one issue on Saturday was I was chasing heat. Yeah. Now uh I've always I've learned over the years squad with those who are most closely close to your skill level because they're going to bring the best of your skill out and bring the best competition out of you. And like you said, it's a good opportunity to bounce stage plans off of to see who has the best stage plan or am I going to have to shift my stage plan to mirror theirs most because theirs ultimately were better. Uh, they're going to see something that you don't see and you and you get that aha moment. And, you know, uh, at that point you can choose to change your stage a bit or keep it the same. Yeah. Here's another side to it. Um, I remember the stage I shot, it was after the lunch break and I was working so hard to not, not let the edge like dull over lunch. Um, so I did a lot of stuff to like, just keep myself mentally in the game, which we can talk about later. But I shot that field course in stage one first. And afterwards, Mike Shadilov, the GM, came up, fist bumped me. He's like, hey, man, that was a good run. Getting praise from people like mm -hmm. that is huge. Like, it's huge for your confidence. Like, oh, yeah. I was riding, I was riding pretty high going into stage two. Um, and I would also say, like, if you're with a bunch of, like, we'll just say it, B and C shooters, the praise from them is not going to matter as much because they don't have as much of an understanding of practical shooting and what it takes to really like crush the stage. Um, but I'll also say that like um, the, the stage that like going, coming out of Saturday, I had a stage win on um, the, 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 uh, the RO, like the, uh, I think the CRO at the stage, he was an open shooter. And he was like, dude, that was pretty sporty. Like you have one of the highest hit factors so far. And those are just like little things. Like if you're getting praise from, higher level shooters and also ROs, that's a sign that you're doing well. It's a uh, snowballs. Last year uh, when I was at three man, three gun, actually uh, we were shooting one of the stages and it was me, major Driscoll and, uh, and Derek Kelsey. And, you know, we were, we were shooting one of the relay stages, you know, you shot, you know, shotgun first, move to pistol, and then you had to shoot rifle offhand at, at paper targets 60 yards away. And all relatively easy task, but you, you want to go fast. You want to go as fast as you possibly can. Um, and I remember whenever I got to the rifle bit, I was shooting at a pretty sporty speed, and I had a good aggressive stance. And afterwards, Howard Thompson, who shoots with Greg Jordan and uh, Rich Torres, Rick Torres, um, Howard came up to me and like they they those are that's the team that typically wins it every single year. And last year they competed in open and they won it open last year. And Howard came up to me. He's like, dude, I was watching you shoot that rifle and like 
every shot was exactly where it needed to be. And like that you were shooting at a very fast, deliberate pace and every hit met its mark. And like, that was like a confidence boost, having somebody like Howard Thompson come up to you and say, that looked awesome. Like that was, that was a confidence boost for the rest of the match. Yeah. And I think it's important because, you know, do that with your teammates, like point out the things they did right. Cause that, that helps fuel their mental game, the positivity, like staying focused on the positives. And that was a big part of the conversation we had with Parker and it's, it's super instrumental to doing well. Um, it's key yeah. to development. It's key to your development as a shooter. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, but, like, dude, competition shooting, like, if you know what you're looking for, there's you can go down the rabbit hole of, like, I, I'm guilty of this. Like, that reload, I wasn't aggressive on that reload. I still I still picked, I still had a makeup on steel. Like, uh, I'm a perfectionist. I'm going to beat myself up against about something. Mm-hmm. So it is always good to get that positive reinforcement externally, especially from someone you respect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's go into like your match day uh, must. Um, how did you prepare for that? I'm, I'm very guilty of not doing a lot of this stuff, uh, <laughs> but um, like stuff whenever it comes to like food, water, snacks, stuff like that. I, I always make sure I have something on reserve. Yeah. Um, so this has been refined over several years of shooting. And I would say that like, for example, tactile games, I have it down to a science, right? Like I will not eat a big meal. I will hydrate throughout the day, alternate between water and like Gatorade or body arm or whatever, um, I basically bring an entire loaf of bread and peanut butter and jelly, and that's all I snack on, uh, on all day. So um, bring food, right? The problem with these mashes are that a lot of the time, the food that they offer, like, for example, Florida State, they had, like, an Italian food catered, which was awesome, but it was also super heavy. That's mm-hmm. not what you want to eat in the middle of the day. You're going to get so lethargic in the afternoon. It's going to affect your performance. Similarly, in Maryland State, they had barbecue, um, which smelled delicious, but isn't really performance fuel. And if you've paid 100, 200 bucks and you're about to send like three to 400 rounds, why would you put garbage in your body and like drag down your peak performance? So food was important. Um, I don't know if she still listens to this, but <laughs> my wife asked me to go pick up um, these pinwheels from Costco, like these little like rolled uh, little like wraps. She's like, oh, they look so good. Like they look so picturesque. And she bit into one. She's like, I hate them. <laughs> so I brought the entire box with me and just snacked on it throughout the day. That actually ended up being really good food. It was just a tortilla, lettuce, tomato, and some turkey and some cheese. Like perfect, right? Um, water, man, it, it was a scorcher. Uh, at the end of the day, some of the some of the members of my squad, like they were like sitting down in the shade. I think pretty sure they were starting to show signs of like heat exhaustion or something. Um, you got to take care of your body. Like a lot of guys are like, oh, you're only shooting like 100 seconds over the course of the match. Yeah, but you're but you're outside on. all day. You are always. You're, it, it just it destroys you. You're walking around. You're resetting. Like 
I'm not going to be the guy who's going to sit there and be like, oh, I tore my Achilles. I'm not going to reset. Like, no, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to be a good squad mate because that's what I expect from my squad mates. So taking care of your body, sitting in the shade when possible. So it, it's USPSA. Like you see some of those guys like come out with like big ass parasols and stuff. I don't have that. I would just find a spot in the shade in the berm whenever possible. Um, having a backup gun. So a lot of guys are like, my gun works perfectly. I trust it with my life. Yes. But Until when it start, does it. When you start shooting tens of thousands of rounds through it, something is going to break. And I've had a particularly particular string of bad luck. The, the CZ Customs mounting plate on one of my shadows, um, one of the holes basically stripped. So screw wasn't tightening. So I sent that back to Stumpy's to get fixed. And then the week later, um, I was on sat shooting and I, sh- I sent you a picture of this, Matt. The lens came, came out of my backup SRO. So then I bought Scott Raider's SRO. <laughs> um, <laughs> shit breaks, especially if you use it seriously. There is nothing that is invincible. I don't care if you have a stock lock, an RMR, something is going to break on the gun eventually if you just keep sending run, uh, rounds through it. So honestly, um, I brought a working shadow. I brought another frame. And then I brought, um, I brought an MNP, um, a Smith and Wesson MNP with a loophole dot mounted on it. It's a different system, but there's I, I got I got a primary, I got a tertiary, and I got um, alternate, whatever you want to call it. I have a pace plan there, and you know what? After like six stages, the the double action on my frame stopped resetting because the trigger return spring had given out. And granted, like you're shooting on single action the entire time, but I just didn't want to take a chance on anything. So I swapped out the frame, my CZ, and I just kept rolling. Um, it's those small things. And I understand that like having a backup gun is cost prohibitive for a lot of people. But what you need instead and stuff that's cheap is springs, guide rods, like all those fiber, fiber rods, like those break all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. Like those need to be in your gun bag so that you can fix things on the spot yeah like in three gun i don't i don't go to a three gun match carrying around six guns uh typically like i have two 2011s so i'll have two 2011s with me at a match um for rifles i carry an assortment of parts i typically have a whole extra bolt carrier group just to get me through a match in case because last year whenever i was shooting a match i had a a, a a bolt lug completely shear off in the middle of a stage and i had to transition over to pistol um shotgun i i'll be honest i don't have any extra parts for the shotgun but you know if i can borrow an extra shotgun if i have to you know uh, i'll just ask one of the squad mates hey can i use your shotgun for the rest of this mine's down um typically that's how how i roll um because if i'm traveling if i'm flying to a match i'm not going to carry six guns with me i'm going to carry three guns and have an assortment of extra parts with me yeah but um building up that reservoir of parts is really important and Mm -hmm. i would say the best time to like just go in on those is honestly right by the time this podcast comes out it's going to be over but like the fourth of july sales are great Black Friday, honestly, the off season. If you're about to get like serious about this, do yourself a favor 
and like springs break springs go out mo the most out of uh, anything else the um the firing pin spring on my cz has gone out during dry fire i think like four or five times already um since i started shooting that platform so always have spares yeah um, black friday sales are probably the best sales you can do to get extra parts yes and what you don't want to do is run run without any of those spares and then realize that you have like a big match coming up and you need a part that week because mm -hmm. of broken practice that that's just extra stress. That's going to take your mind off the match. Um, that's going to throw off your mental game that you really don't need. And, and like, whenever we say get spare parts, so like get parts that your gun is accustomed to running. Just don't go buy anything. Get, the parts that you run currently in your gun. Yeah, absolutely. All my, all my CZ stuff comes from Cajun. So that, there's the consistency there. Um, and I think that that's, that's really important for some of the guns with a lot of aftermarket support, like a million companies make Glock lower parts and upper parts. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, I only, I only, when I shot Glocks, I would only do OEM parts because that's what worked for me. Um, something that was big. So everything that I just talked about, I'm basically creating the template for the rest of the summer season. I'll go into it later, but like I'm shooting a lot of the major matches that the action pistol team are shooting. So dialing in my routine for a major match is very important for me. And Maryland state was more or less uh, proof of concept. Uh, I talked about, honestly, I look at the lunch period as in the Saturday, Saturday, Maryland state was kind of crazy. Um, they were in the middle of breaking for lunch and then there was a out of battery detonation on the bay to the right of us. So a PCC shooter had a round detonate when the bolt hadn't completely closed mm -hmm. and that PCC shooter got injured. Um, ambulance had to come on the range, which meant that our lunch break was longer than usual. And I was the first shooter up. So mentally managing yourself, like, you don't need to go through the stage and run it like 50 times. You have the time to do it, but. You're going to mentally exhaust yourself if you do that. And I was only at the halfway point of the stage and I need energy for the rest of the day. So eat, sit in the shade, something that I actually did and something that JJ Rukaza recommended in one of the classes I took from him. He said he actually like goes off in a corner. He puts a ball cap over his eyes and he literally, he doesn't go to sleep. He just rests his eyes for like 10 minutes. Um, shooting is a very visually intensive sport. Chasing a reticle, chasing a red dot, chasing your irons. Your eyes are going to get tired like after a while. Um, so I did that. I thought it helped. I avoided the junk food, uh, stayed hydrated. Um, I know the way my body works. It's used to getting caffeine in the afternoon. So I packed a monster and I sipped it as I was getting ready for that stage. And that helped a lot. Like it will pick me up, especially after you've had, like you've eaten something for lunch. Um, so yeah, um, I, I went through a lot of stuff, but like all this is things that I've learned over shooting USPSA, tactical games and other matches over like the last three years. Yeah. Typically whenever it comes to food at a match, I try and always stay away from the lunch food. Uh, you know, I, I like in three gun format, they usually do half day format. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, but for those days that are long and it's like a full day format, 
Yeah, I I do. I stay away from the lunches and I'll keep like one to two bags of mixed uh, of mixed nuts um, with dried fruit in it just because it gives me the sugar I need. Another thing I'll do if I feel myself getting like just tired by the end of the day and I need I need an instant sugar rush is I keep candy in my bag. Uh, I don't eat the candy throughout the entire day. I save it for more for the end of the day just to get that instant sugar rush. Um, I stay away from, I don't do monsters. I don't do caffeine. Uh, I'm probably one of the few gunnies out there that doesn't, that that's not a caffeine Nazi. I'm more of a nicotine Nazi. Uh, so right. you'll all always, the other gunnies are, uh, they're making up for it. For absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then I bring water barely drink water though. I, I typically stay toward Gatorade and in electrolyte type drinks. That's what kind of carries me through. Yeah. It's, it's important to know your body. And like another important thing is like, if you, if you, if you get hangry or if you get thirsty, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's too late. You, you have to like eat, you have to make sure you put food in your mouth and drink consistently throughout the day so that it never happens to you. To Another thing I do is Uncrustables. I like peanut butter yes. and jelly sandwiches. So I'll just, you know, throw frozen Uncrustables in. So by the time lunch is around, you know, throughout the day, I'm just eating those as a pick me up. Those are great. Um, yeah. The packaging and everything. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of, I like PB and J in general. Um, yeah. Uncrustables are awesome. My wife doesn't know how I could eat those things, but I think they're perfect. I she mean, she doesn't like them. She's like, that's a kid snack. So, <laughs> yeah, which means it's perfect for consumption when you're like on the move, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. You a grape or strawberry guy? Uh, I do both, to be quite honest with you. All right. I I probably lean more toward grape, but yeah. I like them both. PBJ's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me about your highs and lows of the match. Highs, I mentioned some of them. Um, my at the end of Saturday, I had a stage win on stage eight. Um, yeah, I I didn't run it the fastest, but it was one where in the beginning there's a steel sequence. One of them was an activator, and when you got to the end, there was a swinging steel. Um, like a, like a small round six inch plate at about 15, 20 yards. Here's the other thing that made the match hard. They painted all their steel blue. Oh, that blends into the green grass whenever it's really it sunny. Blends into the shade really well too. Yeah. And not only that, um, they like to stack steel in a certain way. So the last array on stage eight was blue popper, blue popper right behind it, a black, squares um, black steel like square and then the swinger was behind it and that that black like steel gong was there to protect the swinger assembly but it also meant that those poppers like blended blended in really really well mm-hmm. uh, so that was really challenging um honestly i think i get it like you your club paints everything blue um i honestly think it's i would prefer that they have been painted white um but I ran that stage and at the end of it, it was all alpha. And everyone was like, God damn, like you didn't pull like a single Charlie out of all that. And I shot, I shot a lot of those targets on the move too. 
Um, so that was that lasted until JJ Rakaza and Luke Cow destroyed me on the following day, but I was still third overall for that stage. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of those field courses, great. The stand deliver, man. I, I, I'm pissed at myself because I don't know how many times I practiced the transition from freestyle shooting on paper, reload, go to your weekend, shoot the steel. And I, I jacked that stage up so far, so bad. Like, oh, man, I just punted it so hard. One of the other standard stages, too, was um, it was difficult. It was a five-second par time at 20 yards. You had one Ipsic, like, open target and one Ipsic with a no-shoot. You had to draw, do a build drill on the right target, reload, and then do a build drill on the left target. But if you took any shots over five seconds, it was a penalty. Oh, so I did. I did six on the right. I reloaded, and then I did two on the left, and then the beep went off. Um, and those two shots were high because I was respecting the hell out of the no shoot. And then the next ring was at fifteen or ten yards, and it was, it was, um, it was three shots with both hands, um, reload. And then strong hand only three shots, and it was on a tuxedo, and that was also five second part time. Um, so that that was really interesting. Um, like I, I'm not really great on those kinds of stages, but I mean, it's going to show up at nationals. It's going to show up at all majors. So I just need to get better. Um, and we're talking about other highs. Uh, I ran a JJ Rakaza. We talked for a little bit. Um, yeah, speaking of getting compliments from people you respect. He saw me. He got really excited. He's like, "What's going on, man?" I was wearing my uh, I was wearing my Frank the Tank tank top, which is my defacto <laughs> jersey. It's literally just a picture of the tank. It says Frank the Tank under it, and I've cut off the sleeves to make it a tank top. Um, and he's like, "Bro, you look jacked." I was like, "Yeah, man. It's because it's because I was injured for so long, and all I could do is upper body." He's like, "Dude, what happened?" And I told him about the Achilles injury, um, and we talked for quite a bit about. So if you if you're not if you don't follow JJ, he's someone who's really into fitness, um, and he's really into like injury prevention. So he's had like, just the guy's been shooting since he was a kid. So he's had like a version of tennis elbow. He's had like leg issues. He's all all kinds of body issues, but that guy's also a freaking monster. Um, but to be able to keep shooting at the high level that he has been, like even this late, he's in his forties now. Um, is a testament to how well he takes care of his body. So we talked a lot about like recovering from injury. Um, at some point he was like, Hey man, it sounds like you've been through quite a journey. Um, and I told him I'd see him at, I'm, I'm taking his class in August. That's right after area eight. Um, so excited to see him again. Uh, great guy. If you get a chance to hop in on one of his classes, I highly encourage it because he is a wealth of knowledge and he's also just, an outstanding dude, like super enthusiastic. He will keep in touch with you after you take his class. He will recognize you like even a year later, um, dap you up, all that good stuff. So really cool running, really cool running into him again. That's cool. I mean, especially at a Maryland state match, like who would have thought you would have ran into him there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, is I know you had a question for me. Yes. So um, no names, but there was a shooter on my squad who was having a really bad day. Um, 
he was making mistakes, Mike snowshoots. And at the end of the stage, he would just like violently like throw around into the berm. He'd curse his mags. He'd like say stuff to his teammates. Like, I know I fucking called that. I can't believe his mic. Um, you've probably dealt with people like that before. If you run into someone like that, how likely are you to recommend them to become a member of the shooting team? Um, they would not get a recommendation from me. Uh, I'll, I'll be straight up and honest. Um, unless later on down the road, I saw a severe, cha- uh, like a severe change in attitude, uh, they would have no recommendation for me. Um, I expect people to be professional at all times to carry themselves and carry whatever organizations that they're representing to the highest esteem. Um, if I was squatted with that person, I'm not sure I would say anything to them on the spot. More than likely, I'd probably try and ignore them. But if it got to the point where everybody was getting annoyed, I'd pull them off to the side and I would just talk to them and I would recommend hey, look, I know it's frustrating. I know you're here. I know it's in the moment. I know it's emotional, but do not let it get it. Do not let a bad performance get in your head uh, in the now and keep trying to push through. Stay positive, stay motivated, and just switch to an attitude that you're just trying to have fun. You just reminded me of one of our previous interviews. Um, Chris Hutchinson said that, you know, he had a really bad stage and Joe Farewell was like, Hey man, you got five minutes. Yep. He's like, what, what do you mean? He's like, you got five minutes to get over that stage. And I, I've seen it, like having mentored as many shooters as, as I do. Um, it's really easy to get down yourself. It's really easy. So I think there's two extremes, right? You get the guy or gal who um, like expresses their anger. Um, and that throws off other people's mental games. It's like you're shouting at a bowling alley or you're being loud at a golf tournament, right? not really good form. But I think the other side of it is that people kind of internalize and like get down on themselves and like, man, I, I'm, I'm so, I, I have a terrible first stage. So why the fuck should I even care? Um, and really like that, that advice from Joe Farewell um, to Chris was really like, Hey, like you can feel sorry for yourself for a little bit. Cause that's human, but you need to direct your energy into something that's productive. And I think both of us probably would have said the same thing to my 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 squad mate, um, like you. I, I was like, hey, it's not my it's not my place. Like he's not my teammate. I I'm not wearing the same jersey as him. I don't really know him at all. He might have had something bad, like really bad, go on in his life. But you know, like it, there's a there's a big difference between harnessing your emotions into something positive and letting them control your match. Right. Well, I, I, I look at it in a sense that that person is mentally weak. If they're going to let something that is supposed to be fun ruin, ruin them, then they need to find something else that they can have fun in. Or they develop that mental uh, fortitude to get through the problems and develop another, uh, develop another area of their life. Um, you know, I used to be one of those guys that I would get down on myself, but I wouldn't show, I wouldn't show it outwardly. Um, there, there's actually a video out there of me and it was on shooting USA 
and we were on the cowboy action stage at the NRA World Shooting Championship. And I wasn't having a great match. Uh, you know, it, it was a pretty piss poor match for me. And it, this was our last stage and I just wasn't really having it. And I was stood off uh, to the side and, um, you know, the cameras were in my face at this point and I kind of got ambushed and, and they asked me a question and I don't remember exactly what the question was, but I, I just remember saying, you got to keep it lighthearted. And that's something that I kind of continue carrying forward. And it's true. You kind of got to be lighthearted. If you're not having a good time, keep it lighthearted and just, you know, have fun at that point. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's part of the maturing process, you know, mm -hmm. like, yes, you're legally considered an adult 18, but realistically, um, understanding emotions and being able to harness them into something positive is something that I really had to learn in my twenties. If you don't learn in your twenties, then you become, you become a man child <laughs> yeah. and you inflict it on other people and it becomes a vicious cycle. So Figure it out, boys and girls. <laughs> so is there any any uh, shout-outs you'd like to give? Yeah, I already mentioned them, but uh, Team Hold My Beer, you guys were awesome. Uh, all shooters from the New Jersey, New York area. Um, you never know, like, how things are going to go when you squad with a bunch of people you don't know, but it couldn't have turned out better for me. Um, thank you to Al and Keanu for planning the match and executing it. You guys did a great job. I think it's the first time that Maryland State's been held in a while, and I hope you guys keep doing it. Um, something they did that I really like, they, they sent out like a survey monkey or a Google Forms or whatever afterwards soliciting like feedback. And then like a week or two afterwards, they sent out an Excel document. Um, I think they probably just took out some of the more unsavory comments, uh, spicy comments, um, just for visibility's sake, just so everyone knows, like, hey, these people said this, etc. Um, I saw that, like, in one part, that's transparency, and uh, on another, on another note, like, for next year, like, that's a hold us accountable thing. You know, these are all the criticism from last year, and we want to get better. So if we don't do better next year, then look back at this document and be like, hey, you guys got all this feedback, you didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. um thanks to um major hitchak he was working stats out there ran into him um ken freeman also from quantico uh shooting club also out there working the match so you guys drove around in your golf carts and like taking care of business um hitchak is the reason that the chrono uh stage name was a uh, emotional damage which i thought was fitting considering <laughs> that a lot of emotional damage does happen at chrono um and congrats to luke cow for the win overall tight battle between him and JJ uh, kind of wish I was there to watch them shoot on that day, but just didn't work out that way uh, for myself. Like overall, I turned it out 19 out of 148 carry optic shooters. Uh, I was unclassed at the time. I got beat by one B shooter. I beat some M's. I beat some A's. I didn't beat any GM's, but pretty good for a first match back from injury. Um, and we talked about this, Matt, but, um, I mentioned that that technically falls in the top 15% and I could have submitted it um, for, for my last uh, medal to get distinguished. Um, but I think I'm going to hold off. And part of that is like knowing myself and motivation. Um, I do want to go, I, I, it is my intent to go distinguished eventually, but I would like to see 
how I do in this upcoming slate of summer majors and see if I can't push myself to do a little better. Um, and that, that's just, that's just me like trying to push myself to the next level, like coming back from an injury, taking it seriously, putting the time and energy into it. Um, and who knows if I, if I could do top 15% at carry optics nationals, I would be beyond ecstatic about that. And it would look pretty good on the back of a medal as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, you know, uh, kind of made a decision this past week, uh, talked to go King and talked to captain Williams was like, Hey, I want to go out to Wisconsin. Uh, I want to one, I want to shoot one final match with the team. Realistically, it was supposed to be Fort Benning multi-gun, but with me uh, very recently taking a more active uh, role with the team again, um, you know, before I retire, I at least want to get one more chance of going out with the action shooting team and go spend time with them before, you know, I depart. Um, and I really want to take the time to push myself, you know, with rifle and pistol, I think I'm always going to be just fine with those, but like the next month until Wisconsin, I really want to push myself and push my practice with shotgun, like reloads. I'm good on reloads. It's more engaging the targets where I've been just fumbling a bit taking extra shots and taking extra shots with shotguns, you know, it's detrimental because that's more ammo you have to reload. Uh, but yeah, I, I really want to just take the time to push myself as hard as I can go uh, for that match, just so I can get out there and I don't know, we'll see potentially earn a medal. Like that's, that's a goal I want to have at least one, earn one more medal before I retire. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm happy to hear that you're going to go out there and shoot a match. Um, is that the only thing on your foreseeable future schedule? Right now it is. Um, you know, uh, I got an email from Andy Horner today. Uh, I usually always RO and help out with uh, Blue Ridge Three Gun Championship. That match is coming back. Uh, and Andy puts on a great match. It's all... Uh, natural terrain jungle run type stuff he does not believe in painting targets whatsoever uh, so you have a great target in a tree line and you, you're kind of searching for it. It, it overall like if there was one style of match that can replicate what you could see in combat without getting shot at obviously like those matches right there because it's all natural terrain and it's all jungle run and it's, you are searching for targets. Um, he has like his format. It's amazing. And the penalties, uh, they do add up. Um, but, you know, I wanted to go shoot that match, but with as close as it is, I just can't, I can't for really see myself uh, going out there right now. Uh, with as much time as I would be away from home. The other match I have going on is I am going to be going back out to the Tactical Games team match. Uh, me and Andy Brown are going to be shooting that match together. That's at the end of August, a week before my retirement ceremony. And that's that's a 
what a Saturday Sunday match. I'll be out there Friday night, come back home on Sunday, and just hang out with a really good dude and push our bodies to the limit while we shoot. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Glad you're uh, getting a chance to shoot some great matches um, on the way to your retirement. So for myself, I mentioned that I'm shooting a lot of the majors that the pistol action team is shooting. So I shot Fredericksburg with them this last weekend. I'm shooting Western Pennsylvania this weekend. And then after that, um, I'm actually going back down to North Carolina. I'm taking a class with Ben Stager. And then I have Area 5, um, Battle for the North Coast, which is in Ohio. Area 8, a J.J. Ricasa class. And then Carry Optics Nationals. So quite a bit ahead of me. Um, I think we, we may possibly keep with this format as we shoot matches, just bounce things off of each other and ask about how, how those matches went. Give mm-hmm. you guys a taste of the three gun tactile games, USPSA world, but also document like some of the things that we're learning because a lot of growth does happen at these major matches. They're very humbling. They're going to show you exactly where you're falling short. So I'm excited for it. And I'm sure you are too, Matt. Hey, you know what we need to do? Uh, like since we're kind of close to each other, um, we, it'll be a good introduction for you to get back in the three gun, go up to like I, either Thermont or, uh, AGC. They're probably about an hour, hour and a half away from you, either one of those clubs. And we need to go shoot a three gun together. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, I bought a, I bought a Stoger. I put an extension on it. I, I bought caddies. It's just I did all the stuff before I got injured. <laughs> so yeah, it's still that stuff still needs to get used. Well, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. So but um again, thank you, listeners. Uh appreciate you listening. Tell us what you think. Uh if you have anything specific you want us to talk about, hit us up. And I appreciate everything. Have a good one.